Eric Von Crumley. And I'm Romy Reyes. Have you ever wondered how a book becomes a movie? Or how a movie becomes a musical? Or how anything is adapted at all? Join us as we talk about your favorite stories and all the changes that were made along the way. But more importantly, why? This is Willing to Adapt. Welcome to another episode of Willing to Adapt. I'm Romy Reyes. And I'm Eric Von Crumley. So, what's new with you? How's how's life? How is life? Life is good. Yeah, yeah. Pretend I didn't see you for the last hour. <laughs> I really don't know what to. Nothing talk about. new. Nothing new that I can think of. Uh, um, just uh, been seeing some movies lately, catching up on some of that. Got it. Um, other than that, been trying to do some reading. Nothing really. I think I've reading for this. Reading for this. Well, no. For later episodes. For later episodes. Yes. Uh, any any new books? Movies? Um, nope. Other. Shows. I'm in the middle of a book for personal pleasure, written by Virginia Woolf. But other than that, um, I had to put that on hold because I was uh, reading a book for this podcast that we'll talk about later. But other than that, no, no. I'm watching uh, Only Murders in the Building, though. Have you watched that? I have no it's on HBO. No, it's on Hulu. My mother has literally everything. Okay. She has all the streaming apps and everything. So every once in a while, I just poke in there and see what's on there. But she was watching it with my sister, and uh, I I got into that one. So it's pretty good. True crime? No, I think it's fiction. It's fictional. Oh, okay. But it has a lot of big name people in it. Like Tina Fey's oh. in it. Martin Short's in it. Steve Martin. Oh, so it's not like a Selena real life Gomez drama type no. thing. No. Oh, no. okay. Yeah, I... No, but it is about a podcast. Like they're making a podcast. Really? About they're trying to solve the murder in the building. And they talk about how they're trying to solve it while doing a podcast. Wow. Which I kind of thought was not a great idea. Yeah. Because the murderer knows what you're doing. <laughs> but. Is it a comedy? Yes. It's it's kind of a mix. Okay. It's, it's a comedy, but it's also, um, it's like a drama, dramedy. Okay. okay. Yeah. But it's good. I like it so far. Oh, Nathan Lane's in it too. Oh. Yeah. Wow. He has a, he has a smaller role in it. It's really good. But yeah, other than that, let's uh, want to get on to our topic this week. Yeah, do you want to introduce our topic? Sure, I will. So this week, we are talking about the infamous cult classic movie, Heathers. Heathers, Heathers came out in um, 1989, and it... Actually, I have 88 here. No, you, no, you don't. Yeah, I do. It came out in 89. 88. No, it did not. You're going to look it up now. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, you can keep looking that up. I can be right. came out in 1989. I don't care what you say. I think the best way I can describe it is it is a John Hughes nightmare. And for those of you who don't know who John Hughes is, he's the guy that made the movies like Pretty in Pink, Breakfast Club, um, all those from the 80s. Basically, Heather's kind of tips that on his head. It's a dark comedy. Um, it, it deals with a lot of issues like bullying, suicide, um, things like that. But it's really good. But I need to ask you, when were you first... It came out in 89. It says 88 right here. Well, it's wrong. <laughs> this is the interweb. Oh, wait. Hold on. Okay. Well... Release date was March 31st, 1989. Thank you. Yes. So. I mean, movies are always made ahead of time. Yeah, so it was, but hey, I was partially right. It was made in 88, but released in 89. But it also means you were partially wrong. We'll go with the partially right. <laughs> Let's stick with that. All right. I mean, 
I, I don't accept it, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so how were you first okay. um, how were you first exposed to Heathers? So it's kind of like those movies that that you've heard people talk about, but I really never really I didn't really know much about it. Until, you know the name, but nothing yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I'll be honest. When you brought this up as a topic, it was probably for the stuff we talked about for this year. It was probably my least interested one. I was actually I think I inwardly was kind of groaning that I'm not to waste my time yeah. watching this movie and listening to you know stuff regarding it. And I drug, dragged. Drug, you drugged? I drugged. I dragged. <laughs> you drugged yourself to watch this? <laughs> I, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm about to go down that road. Uh, you know, I, I can't say I didn't think about having maybe a glass of wine or something as I was drinking to try to, watching it to try to enjoy it a little bit more. But I was pleasantly surprised. I have to remind myself to. Uh, trust your choices you've yet to lead me astray in your choice of movies or plays or operas or whatever you've mentioned i should look at we have a very wide range of interests yeah no we do and and the thing is i think like we've talked about this but you know personally before about how you kind of you're more well versed in the um the arts for me you know, I come from two blocks away from the ghetto, and it wasn't... It was, I like how you keep calling it the ghetto. <laughs> you really were not in the ghetto. <laughs> in the suburbs. Yes, but it was... It was my. It, it was like, that was just not stuff we were raised talking, you know, thinking about. Or sure. I mean, I wasn't raised with it, but I kind of came into it. But because you, you said I come from a background in the arts. Yes. I, mean, yes. I grew up in the theater world, and all the people in theater love weird things <laughs> yeah no and saying like i i was like weird but with a bunch of normals and so it was harder for me and i didn't have a lot of friends that were similar so and there was no internet back then um and you know we had to go to the library and uh rent stuff you know uh things like that so it was or check things out and it was it was harder for me to get a hold of a lot of these things and even in the in the late 80s early 90s um i mean i didn't start until i started driving a lot of this stuff was still kind of un, you know unaccessible unaccess- inaccessible yeah inaccessible sure and so um like i i don't even rem- i i might remember when this movie came out well it didn't do well in theaters no it didn't and it's not it's not hard to see why yeah I think it would probably do better today if it came out today. Uh, there are some things in it that would have to be changed for today's audience, but I think the audience of 89 was not quite prepared for it, especially coming off all these teen movies that were like these romantic comedies that were just goofy, funny, and yeah. always happy, and everybody gets along eventually in the end, and this movie was not that. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. But it did a lot better in movie sales when yeah. it went on VHS. Yeah, I think like for well, when was when did you first become aware of it? I want to hear you. That, that's actually story. a fun story. Oh. Um, I was going to school at um, Mount Sac, Mount San Antonio College at the time, and I had a teacher who was not my teacher, but mm-hmm. she was a teacher in the theater department. Okay, and. I had auditioned for something for her, and I was not accepted for the role, but there was only one role for a man in it. So pickings were, yeah. Um, But she apparently liked my audition, and so I ended up doing 
a couple projects with her later on, and one of them was outside of the the school. Okay. I don't remember exactly how, but she had mentioned that she loves Heather's. And I had seen the picture of it on Netflix. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I I was not really aware of it. I had heard a couple people talk about it very, very briefly. But she was basically the first one that got me exposed to it. And it wasn't until maybe a couple years after that that I randomly decided to watch it on Netflix. Partly because of her recommending it so much. Mm. And I started watching it and I was like, this is interesting. I I kind of like this. It's different. And I also like the 80s aesthetic. Yeah. So, And then about 20 minutes into the movie, for anybody who's seen it, it's you quickly realize, oh, this is... Not what I was expecting. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's part of the reason, because it just gets darker from there, but it's a dark comedy. So if you don't like humor that has to do with death and things like that, it's not your cup of tea. Yeah. But I think it was also one of the first movies that really introduced dark comedy to people. Mm, okay. I think there was a lot more of it around in that time mm-hmm. than now, but I think it was a first exposure for a lot of people because they went into it thinking it was one thing and it was not yeah no and i can i can see that i think that's kind of how i approached it was i in my mind i was thinking i knew you know i I kind of had a basic understanding of it based on some of the things i read but then it wasn't until i like uh, like even the 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 little that i had no i had kind of glanced at regarding synopsis and other things like that it didn't prepare me for what i ended up watching sure you know i i think with most movies that that is the case but especially with something like this even if even if you know there's a twist to a movie it's never quite what you expect it to be yeah yeah and and even for like i said growing up we like that well, remember when i was <clears throat> i know this is going to probably date me somewhat but when i was in high school we if you wanted to see a movie you either rented it or you went to the theaters to see it and if you, those two were not if they weren't on either one of those you didn't get to see it and so you didn't record vhs tapes off of the tv you know what we did actually that's <laughs> that's true but, but that was through tv was the other way you could see things and so um you had to look in the tv guide and said oh this movie's coming on on friday i need to record it yep and we would <laughs> we would get the you know my parents would let us eat i had a little bit of that as a kid but... oh, towards the end of Yes, I'm not afraid to. I'm not afraid to say that I was. I'm. I'm not afraid to say I was born in '93. You're just a little bit older than I am. Yes, just a bit. (laughs) Yeah. So why don't I give a very, very brief synopsis of the movie? It's more. It's just a summary, really. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go into every detail. We'll talk more about that later. Okay. So in this movie, it features prominently Winona Ryder and Christian Slater, for all you movie buffs out there. Um, and a young Shannon Doherty, who people probably know from Beverly Hills 90210. Um, so, summary for this movie, Heathers. Veronica is part of the most popular clique at her high school, but she disapproves of the other girls' cruel behavior. When Veronica and her new boyfriend, JD, confront clique leader Heather Chandler and accidentally poison her, they make it appear as suicide. Soon Veronica realizes that JD is intentionally killing students he does not like. She races to stop JD while also clashing with the clique's new leader, Heather Duke. So for anybody who's never seen this movie, it's important to know that Veronica is friends with a bunch of girls who are all named Heather. Hence the title. Heathers. It's funny, when I first saw this, I, I 
didn't realize it was about a girl's named Heather. I, I before I watched it, I thought it was something like coming through the Heathers. Oh, you know what I mean? Uh, yes. The big word <laughs> definition of Heather. Yes, but no, it was not. So what I wrote about it is it's a dark comedy that portrays real high school's shadows instead of the hopeful teen romantic comedies that were popular at the time. The movie also focuses on how teenage suicide was perceived, publicized, and in some cases glorified. It takes tropes from teen movies and it kind of flips them on their head. Mm. And you can see that, yeah. I think, in different times in the movie for sure. Oh, definitely. So the first time you watched this was for the podcast. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, like I said before that, to me it was just another 80s, not quite 80s teen movie, because I knew it wasn't a John Hughes film, so I just kind of, I was like, okay. A lot of people thought it was, though. Really? Yeah. Just because it was from that era? I don't know if a lot of people then thought it was, but definitely people now, without knowing it, think it is. Mm. That's definitely not. (laughs) Like I said, it's something that I think if I would have watched it previously, I would not have appreciated it. Uh, Especially younger me would not have appreciated it as much now. Like one of the things I couldn't uh, not think about that just kept on coming to mind is the way... Like the, even the emotions and the other things it brought up in regards to um, high school, being a teenager and stuff like that at this point in my life. And I couldn't help but think about my own daughter, you know, sure. and she's she's just starting high school. So there's and we've already had conversations, her and I, regarding uh, social cliques. And I mean, we're what? We're in the 2020s. And yet social cliques are just as prevalent today as they were back then um and despite what some people have argued with me because i actually have a, a friend of mine who, who who doesn't believe that social cliques exist anymore and that we've blended in as 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 a people too much you know and, I, and and it was actually something that came to mind too i will talk about that later in regards to his personality and how you know what he experienced in high school even though he went to a public high school was nothing um, like what most experiences I've talked to people about. And I, I even did that. I went and I talked to a couple different people about what high school was like for them. And I should say, state this right now is that I didn't go to a public high school. So I didn't get to experience, uh, I, I kind of was like social click light, you know? So it was, it was more along the lines of we had our groups, but we weren't as clickish as I've heard can be at other schools yeah i was kind of like that too uh i feel like a lot of movies exaggerate the clicks oh no this movie definitely exaggerated it for the and and movies like mean girls and stuff and i found this out the director i think it was the director maybe it was the writer of heathers Mm -hmm. his brother ended up writing mean girls really (laughs) yes okay so if you watch mean girls and it seems similar it's probably that's why yeah so, uh, you know, in talking with other people in, in regards to public high school versus private high school, and there's, there's always differences there. Um, like one of the things I, I know my uh, one person I spoke to as uh, my not regarding this, but as my daughter was getting ready to go into high school and as she was you know getting older, she was relating to me stories about when she was in high school, and what it was like growing up there. And one of the things I think, especially, I think the other part that makes it a little bit different is the difference between men and women and how, or I should say boys and girls, because really we're <clears throat> boys and girls at that era. Um, we treat how 
we are mean to each other in different ways. Sure. You know? Yeah. And you see that in the movie. The boys are... It's it's obvious well, and straight it's, there. In the movie, it's a lot of that ultra macho yeah um putting on a show for each other so that you can be the top dog and yeah putting others down like bullying them by putting them down so that you feel better and i, I think i read somewhere too the the writer was saying that when he was in high school he he noticed that the the girls in high school were like like i said right now actually i think he i read that in, from an interview with him where he said the boys were more upfront about their meanness but the girls were more Machiavellian. Like Passive-aggressive. <laughs> well, I, I, I like the term he used, Machiavellian. Sure. In regards to, he says that a lot of it was a lot more subtle and conniving. And kind of working behind the scenes. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah I, the thing I appreciate about the movie Heathers is, obviously, it's a dark comedy. Things happen in it that would probably never happen, especially yeah. nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the scene where JD shows up and shoots blanks out of a gun at the two bullies that would never pass today and i i had to think about that um this was a pre-columbine yes. film and By so about six years or so yeah so i think using that as a maybe a cathartic type of you know thing for the character was not as a big of a deal yeah well he was trying to scare him for sure yeah yeah and he got away with it because it was blanks and nobody got hurt mm-hmm and, but they do make a point in the movie that he should have been expelled, even though he was only suspended. Yeah. So at least they kind of address it. Yeah. But, but I think the other part is you, when you watch the movie, you with modern have, eyes. With not just with modern eyes, but it's like it, it's a, almost like a f- satirical fantasy. Sure. <clears throat> you know, I mean. Yeah. But it, what I was going to say, what I like the most about it is. A lot of the conversations mm-hmm. and how the characters treat each other felt real. At least in what I remember from high school. Yeah. For me, like I don't remember there being like a queen bee in school or anything yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. There were definitely cliques, yeah. but but it, it wasn't rigid. But even in even in, in, in the movie version of Heather's, it it, it, w- it didn't feel super rigid. It kind of you could you see the characters interacting with each other. Mm-hmm. Which and it felt real to me. They didn't really like each other, but they interacted. Mm. And so, like, when the Ram and Kurt, the two bullies, when they are, like, boasting of what they want to do sexually with the girls, Mm -hmm. and it's very gross, in my head, I started thinking, I don't remember conversations like that. And then I remembered explicitly one conversation like that I had when I was only a sophomore. Yeah. But my thing was, I always shut that down. Like, I wasn't afraid even at a young age, to tell people that I'm not interested in that conversation, I'm not interested in in bullying and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. So I think I was exempt from a lot of it because they knew that I wasn't going to respond to it. Yeah. Now, that's something else that I thought about, too, is is where are we coming from from our high school experience and watching this? You know, and yeah, I think you just laid, laid out kind of where you were from, and I'm... I mean, I definitely was, like I said, so we weren't, I mean, we were, we had our, our little groups, you know, sometimes they were cliquish. Uh, I kind of moved, I had my main group, but I, I became friends with different people in different groups. 
you know, I always, I had a lot of, it was really interesting. I, I was like, kind of like, a, there were some people in school who would talk to me one-on-one -on -one about their problems. So I almost became, some people, I was like a, like a counselor for them, you know. And so I, I had friends, but we weren't, since we weren't super cliquish, we had friends amongst the cheerleaders, you know, the baseball, uh, sorry, football players, the cross-country people. And yet, we they definitely were different cliques. You know, the cross-country people were a unique breed, you know, <laughs> at least at my school. They ran circles around me. <laughs> <laughs> Quite literally. Um, <laughs> so bad. Yes. And uh, the cheerleaders, of course, you know, they kind of, some of them hung out with each other, but it kind of depended on what grade they were in, uh, what class they were part of. Uh, but overall, I was definitely in the nerdy, dorky, geeky group. I was a floater. Floater? Yeah. I had my normal friends, but other than that, I kind of just roamed around. And mm. every once in a while, I'd end up in a certain group and hang out with them. Mm-hmm. As I got older, because when I was a freshman, I was friends with a lot of the upperclassmen. Yeah. And they were graduating. Mm. So after they graduated, I had to make friends with other people, obviously. So then I started making friends with the, the incoming freshmen and showing them around and stuff. And part of that was we had a program that did that. But, mm -hmm. yeah. Do and, and what about the, like, did you get bullied or teased? I was bullied... I was bullied when I was in elementary school and in middle school. Mm -hmm. But going into eighth grade, I shot up like about a foot oh, okay and so and around that same time i also just stopped caring yeah so because i did get a lot bigger and taller and i stopped paying attention to it and and reacting to it mm -hmm. it's it just went away mm. i think i i was never formally bullied after middle school yeah but I'm sure there were times where people were mean, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I, I felt isolated a lot just okay. because I felt like I didn't really fit in. Mm -hmm. But um, do you want to get into some of the symbolism of the movie? Sure. So I don't know about you, but I took extensive notes. Go ahead. <laughs> I have notes. Mine, mine are all scattered all over, so I'll bring mine up as you, they relate to yours. So I I love movies that use a lot of metaphor and symbolism. And stuff. Sometimes simple movies are great, but I really get a kick out of movies that have a lot of symbolism and stuff. And this one is definitely chock full of that. It uses a lot of symbolism to explore the, the characters' inner conflicts and their growths. Mm -hmm. And sometimes a little too on the nose, but I pointed out to someone the other day, sometimes when it's so on the nose, you overlook it. Yeah. And you true. just take it for granted. Mm -hmm. So obviously the first obvious one is... Um, all of the heathers wear different colors, mm -hmm. usually. Um, red is the color of power, and it starts with Heather Chandler, the the queen bee, essentially, of the group. Yeah. It's in her clothing, but it's especially symbolized with her scrunchie, yeah. which gets passed around a First couple of times. Symbol of power, if you will. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yellow is usually worn by Heather McNamara, but as she loses sight of her identity, she stops wearing it, I noticed. I thought that was interesting. That's true. In the yeah, towards the end of the movie, I think yeah. she was in jeans and a t-shirt or something. Yeah, at one point when we find out that she is generally struggling with with stuff and yeah. and her friends are who are dying and um, she's being picked on and she's basically confessing that she is suicidal and people are not t paying attention to her. Yeah, she you only see her at first in her cheerleader outfit. Mm -hmm. And I might be looking too much into it, but for me, it felt like that's the last thing that she could hold on to as part of her identity. Mm. 
because nobody else is wearing their cheerleader outfit in that scene at least I often wonder how much the the writer or director actually did this on purpose. Well, it seems like a lot of it, from what I looked at, was on purpose. Okay, because there there were times too where there, I think there's things that now maybe we'll talk about this later. You know, in regards to theories that people see in the movie that are, the director's like, yeah, no, I or not the director. I'm sorry, the writer. Uh, he was like, no, that I didn't think about yeah. that. You know, but part of me, part of me, from the research, it seems like definitely some of it was intentional. Yeah. Um, but also, I'm I'm led to believe a lot of it was intentional, because I read that Daniel Waters, who wrote it, mm-hmm. he wrote it essentially with the idea of writing a movie that could have been directed by Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, I read that as well. And Stanley Kubrick does that. Everything he does is intentional. No, I I think that's those are accurate. I think those are accurate things in regards to like costumings and 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 some of the. Th- that aspect of it you know i think some of the stuff like i was mentioning uh, right now was more in regards to i read an, an article where someone's like oh it's it's the uh, a polemic on capitalism and oh, this sure. and that and, and what yeah those deeper things yeah and he was like no no yeah not really you know oh the haves versus have nots and it's like no that's just reading yeah. a lot of people look at it as a weird commentary on the reagan era and i think yeah. to an extent maybe a slight amount of it is but from a lot of the interviews and stuff I get the impression most of it is focused on how society viewed and over-glorified suicide. Yes, yes, and that's what he was saying. That a, a lot of the deeper, a lot of the con- a lot of the ideas that are attributed to it are really just people projecting their own, you know, whatever they see into it. Um, but yeah, that it was mostly. You're right. I did read that about suicide and about really being a teenager. And I think he even mentioned he used his sister as a. Uh, her stories and stuff from high school, if I remember right. Yeah, he pulled from a lot of sources. Yeah. So red and yellow, and then green is originally worn by Heather Duke, but as she becomes the new queen bee, she starts wearing red as well as Heather Chandler's scrunchie. That's funny. I, po- I caught the scrunchie thing, but I did not catch the change in wardrobe. Oh, yeah. By the end of the movie, she's wearing all red. <laughs> I don't remember. You know, now that you mentioned it, I, I'm trying to think back to it. I remember the scrunchie. I yeah. caught that. Yeah. You've seen this movie more than once, though. Yeah, I've seen it probably three or four times. Okay, yeah. But the one part also is she starts off the movie, Heather Duke starts off very timid, and and uh, she wants to be noticed, but mm-hmm. she's kind of the the lapdog. Yes. It's probably not the right word. But no, but I know what you mean. The, she's pushed around, and she's taken for granted. And Yeah, like when they have her... Yeah. Bend over literally so bend over back so they as a table. yes yeah um and but that she's bulimic mm-hmm. but after heather chandler dies she is no longer bulimic. i actually like that scene she just throws uh, yeah. yes she's i thought she what did she say it's oh like, so, careful you might be digesting yes and then she's like i don't care or something like that and she throws the chicken bone yep. up at, behind her it was interesting for in seeing her character and i felt pity for her Oh yes, you know, and it, it was a slow growth to her becoming like the new antagonist. But then you grow to hate her. I mean, not hate her, but dislike her. You know, yeah, you dislike her, but it's 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 a dislike that you look at her and you realize, oh, all everything that happened to you is causing you to become this. What was the other thing I thought about too? About Heather Duke. Well, just in general, I, I liked the the usage of that and how he took things and he. Went from, I mean, because even the, well, we'll get eventually to him, but JD, same thing there, but he takes things yes. and he, he twists them. 
I love the, the the twists that he he did with some of the characters and some of the things. Yeah. So then there's Veronica, who was mm-hmm. played by Winona Ryder, and she was only about 16 when she did this. Wow. Yeah, she was fresh off Beetlejuice. I read somewhere that when she went to audition for this, she actually dressed very similar to Lydia in Beetlejuice. Okay. And she realized that she couldn't look like that, that she mm. had to look more popular and and uh, pretty and whatnot. Yeah. So she went. She said she went to Macy's and got herself a makeover, <laughs> and then she went to the the, so the shoulder pads. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess her her agent begged her not to take the role because she thought it would ruin her career. Wow. Huh. And obviously it didn't, but... I, I do remember I did have... I remember Beetlejuice. I remember I had a, a crush on her at, at the time. <laughs> Little goth went on a writer. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but in this movie, she plays Veronica, and she's the newest member to the group. You don't know how long she's been with them, but mm-hmm. you get the impression it's been at least a little while. Yeah. Uh, maybe a year. Um, but she's still this... adjusting to the role of... Like, she's comfortable in the role, mm-hmm. and she's accepted into the group, and she's friends with them yeah but she she's been there long enough that she has grown to that point that she hates it yeah that she realizes that these girls are mean and are just being malicious for no reason and all that Mm -hmm. in this movie she wears blue and in part i have to think it's just to set her apart from Mm -hmm. the rest yeah but i've also noticed and you might have touched on this Later on, the more that um, her future boyfriend, J.D., Mm -hmm. starts to manipulate her and change her frame of mind to his, her color starts to become purple. I did not catch that. Yeah. And I have to say, I did get that from a YouTube video called The Take from Screen Prism. It's very good. And you're going to hear some quotes from them later on in this. Like I was saying... (laughs) Veronica wears blue in the movie, but as JD starts to manipulate her and she starts to move away from a more innocent, uh, altruistic view of humanity and more into his taking charge and ending people's lives, essentially, Okay, you see that her color starts to turn into purple, which it's as if it's transitioning to red for power. Oh, which is very interesting because afterwards when she rejects him it goes back to blue Hmm. okay i can see that i I never really thought of purplish and red together but yeah because because purple is just red and blue combined you're talking to i you know my world there's five colors maybe that's about it sure there's white black red yellow orange you have to list them (laughs) because i'm trying to think of like if i know my colors jeez Indigo violet. <laughs> no, indigo's purple. Violet is purple, aren't they? Yeah. Indigo's blue. Doesn't matter. It doesn't okay, matter. Really off topic here. So, <clears throat> as well as Crayons. as her turning purple, JD for most of the movie wears an overcoat or, or a trench coat, and it's mostly black for yeah. most of the movie. But when he starts to seize control and manipulates people mm-hmm. underneath, you can see the inside of the coat. He's wearing a red shirt interesting wow i did yeah that's 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 good symbolism if it was done on purpose i'm pretty sure like i, I actually well, it's too I, on the nose it for is it not too. to be yeah no i i agree i think I like it would be your, too many too many coincidences it, it is no but that that's really well done yes 
I did read, I, I, kind of thinking along that, I did read somewhere where they were saying that um, this, uh, the other two that came afterwards, Clueless and Mean Girls, didn't, don't really even touch the genius that was done in this movie. No, so much thought went into this movie. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Another bit of symbolism that I really like in this movie, if you noticed, is they use croquet as a sort of fight for dominance. It's funny because now that you mention it, yes, I can see how that works. Yeah, once you realize it, it's so obvious. Yeah, I don't think I gave it much thought yes. at the time. Yeah, and and so there's a scene where uh, Veronica, is, she's trying to be friends again mm-hmm. with her old friend Betty Finn, who she essentially ditched so she can be with the, the Heathers Yeah, in her rise to popularity. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to get back to some of that lost innocence and be friends with her again. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment that was happened earlier in the film as well where um, Heather Chandler knocked Heather Duke's ball out as far away as I she remember could. remember that one, yeah. And Heather Duke was able to get the ball and score like almost on accident by going around about. It's kind of a foreshadow. It is. Yeah, it I mean. is. It's a foreshadow to how she ends up rising to power. Mm-hmm. But when... Uh, Veronica's playing with Betty. There's a moment where she's not going to knock Betty out and yeah, she's just going to take the two shots. And Betty basically tells her, just take it. Just knock me out. Like, yeah. I would do it. Mm-hmm. And in the take, they actually say that by the end of the movie, she, Veronica and Betty are not friends and she ends up becoming f- friends with Martha mm-hmm. Dunstock, who we meet in the movie. Because Martha is not trying to live in the society's ways and and the 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 fight for dominance and and cliques and all that, whereas to... Betty is. Okay. Do you want to talk about Martha now, or do you want to wait and keep that? Do you want to talk about Martha? Yeah, I, I really. I felt so bad for Martha. I did too. And My heart went out to her from the get go. And the one thing I noticed was that she didn't speak to the end. No. Yes. She has no voice mm-hmm. until the end of the movie when she's finally realized as a person. Yes. And and one of the things I noticed in the movie was um, there was a differentiation. And, and I one of the, my big uh, pet peeves of t- contemporary society is, is the pushing of the idea of love. Sure. Okay. I, I'm not a big fan of, of the way love has taken precedence uh and it, it's put at the forefront you know and you see that everywhere it's the end all it is the end all you know and and it will and i know we can talk about it how it's done later on in the adapt adaptation but i really it's very different it is and i really like how here you know i love the um the way it was done in the movie with uh, Veronica and JD and how that you know it, it, it even showed the problems with love and some and it's yeah. in a different in a kind of a slight regard there of yeah. how he, he addressed it but with Martha at the end it wasn't love that conquered it was kindness yeah it was like kindness and friendship essentially yeah you know and it, and it I think that's lost in today's world you know it's we don't see kindness anywhere well we do but i mean in in the movie veronica searches for a relationship that's real yeah that is not a a game and nobody's using each other Mm -hmm. and she just wants to get back to a time and a place where 
people could just be friends and could could work together. Yeah. And it it seems a little utopian at times, but the way that she talks about it, it's like a, something that was lost. Mm-hmm. And and so by the end of the movie, she realizes that Martha Dunstock, who's this outsider character the whole time, that she actually had a hand in bullying essentially at one point, yeah. and she hated it. She realizes that Martha is this character that is also not playing society's games, and so she decides that she wants to be friends with her, and so that'll set a precedence for everything else. Yeah, and I, it, but just that whole it, it, that idea of as soon as, as soon as the kindness was shown, she had a voice. Right. You know, and it was. And it's probably one of the first times she smiles too. Yeah, yeah, and she was in a wheelchair. Yeah, it was a motorized wheelchair. Motorized wheelchair. Yeah, it's a little funny. It is, and. I liked it's like again a dark comedy <laughs> it is watching her character was a little that one was a little hard watching her her progress throughout the movie by because it starts off with her all alone in the cafeteria and Heather Chandler gets uh, Veronica to forge a note from Ram who, Sweeney who's one of the bullies and mm-hmm. football players and they make it look like he wrote her a love note and it quickly everybody realizes that it was fake yeah and and Martha runs out, and she's upset, but she's kind of hiding it. And later in the movie, when everything starts to pick up with all the suicides and stuff, she sort of hides under a table and doesn't want anything to do with it, and she's still all alone. And at near the end of the movie, she has that scene where it gives you the sense that she's all alone in a room full of people. Yeah. The scene where she's like on the bleachers. Mm-hmm and like nothing's going right for her and all that Mm -hmm. and you hear the noise of a crowd and then it pans out and there's no crowd and there's no noise and she's all alone i know that was that actually kind of hit me when i saw that because i'm like i i i think we've all had those experiences you know well she seemed at the beginning of the movie almost like a throwaway character Mm -hmm. like almost played for laughs a couple times yeah and then when it gets to that scene you realize oh no something's going down yeah and then there's that scene where you realize that she's really in pain mm-hmm. and it's after all these fake suicides had happened and everybody's kind of over glorifying suicide and getting attention from it and all that and people are getting depth to the character through it yeah that she you you don't you don't know it's what she's doing but you just see that scene where she has that suicide note taped to her mm-hmm. and she steps out into traffic yeah. When I first watched the movie, I think my heart stopped. Mm. It's the first time in the movie where suicide, like actual suicide, yeah. is taken so seriously. It's one of only two real suicides in the movie. Yeah. Attempts. Because Heather McNamara tries to commit suicide and then Veronica stops her. Yeah. But those are the... Because the movie, it, it goes into detail talking about how suicide or the idea of suicide from people who really are struggling mm-hmm. is never addressed or if it's addressed it's a joke yeah like it's not given any attention whereas for these other characters who've committed suicide because they're popular or whatever like it, it's addressed and it's milked mm-hmm. so it we'll get into that more later though but that's why i think at the end of the movie i really liked that veronica like reached out to her and became her friend essentially yeah and i think too that it's she's they use he does that twice with her so the first time it's already with someone who is her friend heather is it mcnamara that's her last name uh that one who almost commits suicide yeah. yes so she reaches out to her and you actually see a real human a connection connection yes there. 
and then at the and I, and I I did enjoy that final summing human connection with not just her former friend or friend, yeah. but with it, someone that was completely out. She she it's the breaking of the social circles, and I, I love how she I, I think she says it in the movie. It's I, there's a new sheriff in town. Yes, you know, and I like at that the end of the idea. Movie, yeah, yeah. She, and she takes the scrunchie yeah, off too. Yeah, by the end of the movie, she yeah. Because there's a point where she took the scrunchie away from the Heather Duke. And like, isn't that what happened? She takes the scrunchie from her. At the end of the movie, she takes it from Heather Duke, yeah, yeah. and she puts it on her own hair. And then, um, but it's like we're gonna do this by my rules, yeah, and it's the good rules essentially, mm-hmm. yeah. But if you notice with Veronica throughout the movie, she's really trying to have real relationships with people. Yeah, she realizes that the the Heather's lifestyle is empty and and shallow and mean and she wants more like she realizes she gave up a lot by ditching her friend and and becoming this popular girl and so even with like heather mcnamara and even with heather duke and chandler she actually Mm -hmm. kind of tries to be friends with them and you kind of see a little bit of reciprocation like you do see that they do kind of like each other yeah um, but they're just trained to be mean Mm -hmm. one of the the more bits of symbolism that i pulled um, from the the take mm-hmm. is when Heather Chandler Heather Chandler takes Veronica to a party at the university. Yes. Even though they're only juniors in high school, mm-hmm. and it's an interesting scene because it, it gives you a glimpse into what goes on in Heather Chandler's life. Yeah. Because Heather Chandler is basically used for her body at mm-hmm. the party, and she doesn't want to. She wants to just enjoy the party. But this is how she gets attention, and, and she re- she just thinks that this is what she has to do. I think there was that was the one scene too where like you get a inner, a glimpse of her inner self. Yeah, like, it's like scene. inner loathing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you realize in part that she's also just playing the game. Yeah. That even though she is the leader of the Heather's, like she she just doesn't think there's another way to do things. And that's one of the other things I did like is in the movie. With the exception of maybe the two bullies, I can't remember off the top of my head. Ram they and have Kurt. Ram and Kurt. If they had a uh, moment in which they're kind of a little uh, redeemed, a, a little, not redeemed, but you see a little deeper into them. I think when you look at the different, like even the the Heather's, you look at, uh, of course, Veronica, and even JD, you you see that there's something deeper there. Even if it's just one quick, you know, like the first time I saw the first uh, the Heather Duke, and she's reading Moby Dick, and you're thinking, okay, there's a little bit. There has to be something here if she's reading something like that. Right, you know? yes. Um, I, I think that's the only moment I saw that from her, maybe. Yeah, most most people pull from Ramins and Kurt that they're just dumb jocks. Mm. And so when, when their suicides are faked, everybody thinks that there's depth to these characters when there's none. Mm. And that's part of the point. Yeah. That after their suicides, everybody's making them out to be these over-glorified people. When in reality they weren't, they they were just simple bullies. Is that Dear Evan Henson? I don't know. I don't know either. I, I saw maybe a little bit. Yeah, something about that yes. where he writes a suicide note. Oh yes, and yes. then it turns out it was written by someone else. Yes, like that. I... Yeah, but at the party, she she takes only Veronica, mm. and it's it it's kind of it's kind of phrased in a way almost like it's a test mm-hmm. for Veronica to see if she like can be in yeah essentially yeah, i got that but the but also it it's talked about in a way that feels very much like i want to take you because you're my friend and i want to help you mm. and in this weird 
sense of we're playing these society games and we have to go to these parties and be with these boys and and be manipulated by them it's it's almost as if heather chandler is saying this is the only way i know how to live my life and i'm going to teach you how to do it i know what's best for you so i'm going to teach you yeah and so when veronica doesn't want to play those games anymore heather chandler actually takes it very seriously yeah and so there's that scene where they're at the party and um, Veronica decides she doesn't want to keep going down that, that path with the Heathers. Mm-hmm. And so she misses her old life and her innocence, etc. And so she ends up lighting that match. And um, she went, oh, she yes, goes to, yeah, she goes to put it out and she puts it into a cup that's full of alcohol on accident. Yeah. And so she doesn't know what to do with it. She, and she throws it out, out the, the window, window. Into the trash bin. Yes. And so... So there was symbolism to that. Yes. And I so... Try, I tried to figure that out on my own, and I could not... So when Veronica throws the flaming glass of alcohol out the window and it goes into the, the garbage can, mm-hmm. it catches on fire. Yeah. And so afterwards, when Veronica vomits on Heather's shoes, and they go outside, and they have their fight, and uh, Heather Chandler is basically telling her, like, if you leave now, you're done. Like, you're not going to be in the Heathers anymore. I'll mm-hmm. tell everybody what you did. You're going to be ridiculed. Um, in this whole time that they're going back and forth and Veronica's finally standing up for herself, mm-hmm. there's that fire burning in the background. Yeah. And the take, again, they just had really good things. I had to I had to we'll link to their video. Yes. They, they say that credit. it's when she lit it, it was, she was lighting something she didn't realize was going to create this big thing. And it seems really too on the nose for it not to be this Mm -hmm. because it's so random otherwise. Okay. Yeah, no, it was a kind of a random. Yes. But she, she lights this match like absent mindedly Mm -hmm. and then she accidentally sets this, this alcohol on fire and then she throws it out the window trying to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. And then it starts this even bigger fire that's behind them as they're fighting. The take says that it's, it's uh, Veronica starting something that she has no control over, and it's creating these ramifications that are going to follow her. So, is it symbolizing what happens later on? Another foreshadowing? It's more. For the movie? It, it's With it's JD? it's some of that, but it's a lot of the well, the symbolizing of her her argument oh. at, in the moment. Oh, okay. So it was more of. It kind of goes along with the the idea of next morning she just apologizes and all all go back to to normal. But only for her to find out later when she's apologizing to Heather that, nope, this is a little too deep. Um, I get the impression that Heather was not going to forgive her for this because she uh, made her look bad at a college party and therefore ruined not just Veronica's reputation or, you know, reputation, but also Heather Heather Chandler. Chandler. Yes. Heather, yes. Um, but okay. you see that scene later on also in the movie where Veronica's really trying to understand the situation better and mm-hmm. who Heather Chandler was. Yeah. And she opens up Heather Chandler's locker. And this is when Heather Duke takes the scrunchie. Yeah. But you you get this moment where Veronica's looking at these pictures that were taken of Heather Chandler and Veronica and they're having fun and yeah. they just look like friends. Yeah. And you just get this this feeling that there was more to Heather than 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 people give her credit for, but she just chose to be this person that was so cruel. Now, how how realistic do you think that? Have you seen that happen with people? I think so. 
in high school especially or yeah like cause high school or high everybody school. needs someone who cares about them mm-hmm. and everybody needs to be appreciated and loved and so even the worst people i mean this is going to be a big jump but like even hitler had a family yes like hitler had <laughs> which i think okay yeah i know he had there's people who are here in the states who were related to him and they changed their last name sure cause, yeah you, Cause you don't want to be hitler, mr hitler mr hitler yes but but no i I think it was just a good show of, of like her inner life, and that there, like I, she did consider Veronica her friend. Yeah, and and once again, like I, for me, a lot of this, like I said at the beginning, there's uh, the podcast that there's a lot of. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, especially, I'm always able to pull real uh, life experiences or real memories or experiences with people, um, and relate them to what I'm watching. And to me, that's a good book. That's a good movie. That's a good fill in the blank um and so in this case i i starkly have you know someone that i know where it it kind of mirrors that and i've seen that happen and i've talked to other people where they've had the same experience where you have that friend that family member where you guys get along everything's good you have fun life is fun together and then they enter high school Mm, sure then they meet their crowd their clique their friends and then you become they forget about you Yeah. yeah You know, and it's, it's, it's. And I've, I've known people who left high school and I ended up running into them later on and they were jerks in high school. Yeah. And they were faced with the reality of life and they ran into me and, and they were a completely different person for the better. Usually that happens. Yeah. Usually. Uh, or you just become so ingrained in, in it that you don't change. Yeah. And, and I've also seen the thing too, where there's, there are some people where they really haven't because their, their click hasn't really changed. In fact, it was funny. The recently, um, I saw a picture on um, Instagram of, of uh, a bunch of um, uh, mothers uh, who I guess they're all friends together, and then their daughters all go to high school together, the same high school. And the photo they took of them together was just like the type of photos their daughters took, and I'm sure they used to take back in high school, you know. And and. I don't know them all personally, but I know that they're technically more... Their daughters are all in the popular cliques and where they go to high school, so I'm sure the mothers are... Were it's back a cycle. In their, it is. It is. You know, and, and and I see that cycle in my own my own, my own own kid. <laughs> you know, here she is too, uh, you know, trying to find herself. And, and um, I see a lot of the similar experiences I did with her. And so, thankfully, I'm able to kind of help and direct and guide and... And, and guide her through that but um it, it's funny when you see that i you know and like you said there's you see that today uh that no matter how much we try to think or want to believe as a society where we've gotten better or things have changed mm-hmm. you know it's, it's like the whole anti-bullying stuff oh if we just put in more money for government programs or educational programs it'll stop bullying yeah sure bullying is going to exist in high school as long as high school exists so I think one of my favorite parts of the movie, and I have to build up to it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So in the movie, I'm gonna do some big building up to this. So I did appreciate the relationship between Heather McNamara and Veronica. You do get a sense that they are friends from the get-go. Like they're probably out of all the Heathers, she's probably the closest to Heather McNamara. She's the one in yellow. Yeah, yeah. And so after, so there's that scene where 
Heather McNamara is telling Veronica after Heather Chandler's funeral that she was going to go on a date with, with Kurt, but he wants to go on a double with Ram, but Ram doesn't have anyone to go with. So she ends up asking Veronica if she would go with Ram on the date. And it felt like this normal high school conversation. Like it felt, it just felt real. And I, I kind of appreciate it because you get the sense of them as friends and need, and kind of needing each other. And so she ends up going on the date and it does not go well. But the day after the date, after a very awkward, essentially like date rape, like suggestion in the background. I, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. It, but it's, it's, it's almost to the point where I didn't, I kind of wondered, it was like, is it intentionally put in the background so you can kind of look at it, chuckle and forget about it just as we kind of do Well, I think it was, general? it was kind of a, idea that they're just so used to this that yeah it's like it's it's in the background and it's but it's and nobody likes it but we just ignore it sort of thing yes and but the day afterwards symbolism yeah but the day afterwards um you find out from other kids who are gossiping that ram and kurt were saying that they essentially were messing around sexually with veronica together Mm -hmm. even though that didn't happen and so to get back at them, she and JD put on this whole show that they're going to fake um, a, a double suicide and make it look like Ram and Kurt were were like homosexually involved together. Yeah. And whereas Veronica actually thinks it's going to be a joke, JD is actually planning on killing them. Yeah. And I, from from the get go, I was pretty sure that it was they were going to die. But for the first time, I watched it. But you're also not entirely sure. And obviously when they do die, you realize this movie is taking another really dark turn. Yeah. And so Veronica ends up really starting to deal with the consequences of that because she had a big hand in that. Mm -hmm. Like she suspected that Ram was dead. And when JD was able to get Kurt to run back to her, she chose to shoot him. Yeah. Like she didn't have to. Even though she suspected that Ram might be dead, she still shot him. Yeah. And so she made that choice, and then it shows in the next scene that she's dealing with that choice. Like, she burns herself with a cigarette lighter to feel something. Another uh, subtle nod to one of the issues faced by teenagers, and even others uh, as they get older. No, 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 no. The self-harm. Oh, yes. Yeah, it was to numb the pain of what she was experiencing at the time. And in the car, she takes that lighter and burns herself. Right. Yeah, and... You just see that she's struggling with it. She's in pain. She mm-hmm. doesn't know how to handle it. JD has this great moment where he says, you believed what you wanted to believe. You wanted to believe you were pretending to kill him, but you knew all along you were going to. And um, you're not sad that they're gone, essentially, all yeah. this. And so she starts to kind of believe his rhetoric. Mm-hmm. And at their funeral, she's kind of laughing when he makes a joke. But my favorite moment in the movie is, so they're at the funeral and JD makes a a crack about something and uh, Veronica laughs. And when she's laughing, this girl in the front who's wearing one of the two boys' Letterman jacket. I think it's a sister. Yes. I'm assuming it's supposed to be the sister. She turns around and you can see that she's been crying. Mm -hmm. And she looks at Veronica and Veronica realizes her actions have consequences. Yeah. there are repercussions to what's happening. Veronica realizes that her choices have those repercussions, and even though Ram and Kurt were sleazy and bullies, 
there was a side to them that she never saw and and they had families that they left behind mm-hmm. and she was the one that caused that pain interesting i kind of had a slightly i i think i see that too i what went through my mind when i saw that scene was more uh and i agree with you i think now that i think about the role the sister played but the one thing i focused on was when he tells the joke it's more kind of leaning towards the hypocrisy that's going on at the funeral where you know they're the father um says oh you know my son is gay and i love him i love my dead gay and, son yes and it's like what does jd say he said something like well would he have said the same thing if he if he was still had a pulse and well he said something about a limp wrist but yeah yes. he said yes I, yeah I, I, but it was it was more it was like you know and it, and it was kind of like what i pictured at that moment was that both of their cynical outlooks at life reached its peak and I think, in my mind, I, it was the moment when they were both in agreement at how cynical life was. And, you know, she's witnessing what's going on at the funeral. Um, and it was as soon as she saw the sister, and I think fill in the blanks now with what you just uh, you described makes it even uh, a little more deeper. Um, at that moment, when she saw the realism of, uh, you know, like you just said, where he had he had a family, he had people who loved him. And there was other another side to him that she didn't think about. I think that's the moment when she started to have her break with jd oh for sure yeah i was gonna say this moment is what causes her to rethink everything yes yes and it's a catalyst for her to fight to be a better person again Mm -hmm. and um this moment we'll talk about later is missing from the musical yes but like it's right after this that she tries to be friends with betty finn again Mm -hmm. and she starts to start pulling away from jd this is just where a lot of the conflict between her and JD starts to happen. Yeah. So one thing that I wrote down about this is um, Heather tells the viewer that high school is pointless and it's devoid of meaning when tragedy strikes, but that everyone is searching for meaning and depth. And I don't remember that. <laughs> it's kind of just looking at the whole movie in its entirety. Where, where, where did that take place when the, that scene what? what? Where did that scene take place? What do you mean? It's not, it doesn't like outright say it. Oh, oh, okay. I'm this like, is my commentary. I thought, I thought you were saying that she said that. I was like, what? I don't remember that scene in the movie. <laughs> no, okay. No, that's me. Okay. <laughs> but you were reading into it. Okay. Yes. I mean, it, it was from other people as well, but <laughs> part, most of, part of it's from me as well. I, I thought you were reading, watching the extended version. That's nope. Right. Okay. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> But it's it's also because it's coming off of movies like John Hughes movies, yeah, where these characters all end up having depth to them, and they all end up having meaning, and um, every little action has a purpose, and people overcome their differences and stuff like that. Whereas mm. in Heather's, the characters are given opportunities, and it just shows that they don't care. Yeah. Like they have this whole system set up in high school and in life and it's it's empty. Yeah. That they and but they're looking for this deeper meaning that's just not there. So I'm gonna quote here a direct quote from the take. And they say the joke is that the community romanticizes these people because of their fake suicides, but we know they actually were just mean and dumb and in no way misunderstood. Mm, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's 
the nihilism. Usually, I don't care for stuff that's very nihilistic, but uh, I wouldn't say this is completely. But I don't nihilistic. feel like it's it's, it's not. It's not. There is that sense yeah. in it, and I think it's 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 it's, uh, it's just fighting the culture. That's what it is. Yeah, and I, it's exemplified through JD in particular. But no, oh, he's definitely nihilistic. Yes, he is, um, and that's it, what Veronica's battling. Yes, you know, and, it, and it's the idea that what culture sets up or what society sets up is not conducive to providing meaning. You know, meaning has to be found some uh, deeper, essentially. So even though Heather's does say that high school is meaningless and it, it does not, it does not say that about life. Mm-hmm. So Veronica, she rejects JD's outlook and she fights for more. But by the end of the movie, she finds inner strength. She reaches out to Martha Dunstock and she overcomes like who she was at the beginning of the movie. Mm. Yeah. It's not saying life is pointless. It, it It's just saying that the society they're in is. Yeah. And I think something interesting about this is if you look at how the parents operate in the movie. I mean, the parents, for a lot of them, are just non-existent because they're not important for many of the characters. Mm-hmm. But you look at, like, Veronica's parents, like, they're just so shallow and flat. Yeah. Like, on purpose. Mm-hmm. There's just not much to them. Like, they take life on the surface level, but they just go through the motions. And you can see that because they, they literally repeat lines in a couple scenes. Yeah, they do. There's that bit where like you see the parents the first couple times and it's like, why do I smoke these cigarettes? Or why do I read these books? And then Veronica always says, because you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. And then mom says, you kids or whatever. You guys. Yes. Yeah. And and it's just like, well, great pate, but I got a motor if I need to blink, blink, blink. Mm-hmm. Like it's literally repeated on yeah. purpose. To show that everybody's just doing, going through the motions. They're just doing what they've always done. And Mm -hmm. this is how they get through life. And even when her parents are faced with the idea that Veronica might be suicidal because JD told them that, Mm -hmm. they're still so, so, I don't know, like, I don't know, shallow about it. Yeah. I think, and there's a funny line where the mom says, he says to keep you away from knives guns closing garage doors <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and then when it looks like veronica might when she fakes her suicide to confuse jd i love that scene too which is really interesting to watch yeah because i watched that the first time and i'm like she can't be dead she can't be dead <laughs> she's just hanging there and it's like oh my gosh because it's so shocking yeah but then you find out when her mom comes in that she's not dead but before the mom realizes she's not dead, the first thing out of her mouth when she sees what she believes is to her dead daughter hanging mm-hmm. after committing suicide, she says, I should have allowed you to take that job at the mall. I just was worried of you coming home late. Yeah. Like, it just gives you this insight into the the parents, like, their life and how they treat the kids. And do you, do you think that was a um, polemic against... Not against, but I, I, to be honest, I don't remember how parents are treated in movies at the time. So was it something? Of, uh, parents of, were always kind of a joke. I thought or so. They, and remember. or they were like kind of wise. Let me go back and watch all my the 80s Yeah, movies. but they were always kind of treated as a joke. And mm-hmm. so people kind of point to the parents in this movie as kind of continuing the trope, but kind of twisting mm-hmm. it a bit. And it's funny because as a, as, a, as a parent... Normally, I get offended. So, like, if I'm watching a movie and whenever things are just randomly given, you know, like like today, a lot of movies you'll see, especially when, like, you know, right now there's a lot of movies where they'll have pro, like, for an example, uh, pro-girl power, and then all the men in the movie 
are evil or idiots. Um, I think of Suicide Squad. Yeah, a lot of people fall like back on and yeah, on and these. so so sometimes when movies are, when they do things like that where they they take one group and they just simple oversimplify it to make a, a, a you know to try to hype the other the other group, it annoys me. I will say surprisingly in this one, I didn't feel that way. I, I almost felt like I I I almost felt in my mind I'm thinking I actually know parents like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I appreciate, even though there are scenes that are clearly kind of contrived, mm-hmm. it still oddly feels kind of real. Yeah. And it's not that these parents are dumb, but it's almost like they've... This is how they've taught themselves how to be. Yes, because they've, they've numbed themselves to the world enough to where they kind of yes. have a uh, yeah. delusional... Like uh, It's almost like, um, oh, my child suffers with this, but I don't want to address it, so I'm just going to pretend I live in a world of unicorns and rainbows well and you could argue they perpetuate that concept that the people in the high school are a part of as well like this is how we've taught ourselves how to live this is how we've taught ourselves how to treat each other how to get by in life so it's the product of their high school upbringing then and that's what's going to happen to the people something that are like there. that okay i could see that but there's that moment where um, veronica's mom has that line where veronica says that sh- that the kids just want to be treated as regular people, mm-hmm. and the mom says, "How do you think adults treat each other in the real world?" And she says, <laughs> "I remember that one." And she was like, "It's not all like a game of doubles tennis." She says, "When teenagers complain about not being treated as adults, it's usually because they are being treated as adults." I remember. Yeah, I forgot. And about that was that a big one. thinker. Mm. Because it, it does show you that there is some depth to her. Mm-hmm. Even if she's kind of just writing off Veronica and the issues of all the teens at the school, yeah. But it does it does point out that parents do that, like they do write off the issues of teens. And well, yeah, because we I think one of the things like it's not that bad. In fact, now that you mentioned that one, that was one of the things I thought was really. Um, it was just it. I, it just kind of like shone a light on that was when she's telling her, I liked. I don't know if this was another thing done on purpose. It might have been probably. Is when the mom's like, "Oh, it's not a big deal. Your teenage issues, and I'm really paraphrasing this. Mm-hmm. You know, are are one day you're going to look back and they're not going to be as big of a deal as they as you thought they were. And yet, what the mom doesn't understand is he's about to blow the school up. So it is a big deal, you right? Know? Yes. Um, and and I don't know. You can tell me what you thought, but uh, like in my mind, I'm thinking, is it a um, kind of an allegory for that at that moment especially with the kind of the idea of suicide that even though yes on the long the on the on the grand scale of things what's going through a teen's mind is not that big of a deal but yet it is a big deal because it could lead to death am i overreaching in that i feel like it's it's a kind of a combination Mm -hmm. because it's a it's a mix of you can move past this and this is not the end of everything like there's more to life than what you're experiencing but also it needs to be addressed because that's it's exactly still important yes yeah and i think that's something that that parents sometimes miss because we're like just grow up or it'll, it'll be over you'll get over it you know I, I can even think of um times when I've, I've talked to different people and they you know they were talking about growing up and they'll be like oh yeah when i went through this it was the worst thing in my life and my parents were just like Oh, you'll you'll get over it, and you'll forget about that one day, you know. But at that moment, it was life or death to them, you know. And I think when you, the older we get, the more we forget about what 
teens go through, young 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 children and, right. and teenagers go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, and it's just so real to them. Yeah, it is. Just like our problems are now. Yeah. yeah. But speaking of parents, the one interesting one that we need to address is JD's dad. dad. <laughs> and when I first watched it, for a second, I was wondering what the heck, and then I quickly realized, oh, this was smart. I so I need to explain. So I need to explain. Okay. Um, you've seen the movie. Yeah. So when you first meet JD's dad, mm-hmm. he comes in. JD and his dad have like a role switch where they talk to each other as if they're each other. Yeah. So JD talks to his dad and says, hey, son, how was school today? Like kind of like t- in a way telling him this is how you need to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And his dad does the same. And he's like, he's like, um, hey, dad, you know? Yeah. And um, why don't you introduce me to your girlfriend and all that stuff? And um, it's like this really weird role reversal where it kind of gets JD power. And hmm. JD and his father just have this that. bizarre flipped relationship, mm-hmm. but it, it generally just shows how dysfunctional they are. So what's the point of giving him power in that? Well, it, they do have that moment where it references how you learn that JD's mom had committed suicide yeah. by going into the building that... His dad was going to blow up. Yes. Mm-hmm. and Or demolish, I should say. Yes. And... So I think it's just more of showing how dysfunctional JD's life is in general and showing like a foreshadow of how things are going to get worse. Uh, and, and it doesn't, now that I think about it, he even references um, how he had to learn to make his own food. Right. Or, Cause yeah. they moved so many times mm-hmm. and he had to learn to take care of himself and like his dad just isn't a dad to him. Yeah. Essentially. Never would have thought of that one. Yeah. I just, <laughs> the first thing I thought of when I saw it was it's showing how dysfunctional he is. Mm, mm. And I really appreciated it because who thinks of that? Yeah. But I liked it a lot. And that's also something that they don't do in the musical. They don't, no. they don't do that. I mean, I don't know how well it would transfer, but I don't know why it wouldn't. But one more thing from the take, one more quote that I'll say and then I'm done quoting them. <laughs> Um, they go on to say that the humor in Heather's is never really at the expense of the victims of bullies or the cruelty. Instead, it frequently uses its dark comedy to poke fun at society's flippant, ignorant attitudes towards teen problems, which we kind of address with the parents. Yeah. So it, it highlights this focus on everyone's love of drama mm-hmm. and and spectacle and lack of compassion for real suffering. Yeah. So you see that in Heather McNamara and Martha Dunstock, but like the whole school goes crazy and wants all the attention on live TV mm-hmm. because of all the suicides. Yeah. And stuff. They don't care about the suicides. They care about the what happens because of the suicides. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I, I it was it's just handled so well. Yeah, no, I agree. Because at the beginning of the movie, it it seems like. It's going to go one direction, and by the end of the movie, it's like it's so serious, and it handles all these issues mm-hmm. and and all that. But on a on a lighter note, <laughs> one thing I did find um, the writer Daniel Waters, he wrote uh, the screenplay, and originally it was supposed to be 
um, darker. <laughs> um, no, I did read the alternate. Yes, the two yes. alternate endings. But before that, originally Veronica apparently was supposed to be um, a lot more of a mean character. Yeah, and it wasn't until um, apparently when a writer came in, into the picture mm. that they realized, oh, we can't play her this way. Like we need to make her a better person, trying to overcome this and stuff. Did you... So, I read two alternate endings. Yeah, well, I don't know about two, but I did know about the prom one. Okay. Now, the other one was... Uh, it was a scene with, with her and Martha, and... Oh, yes. Yes. It's where Martha basically stabs her. Yes. I don't... When I read about that, I kind of thought that they didn't put a ton of stock into that one. Okay. It, it felt almost like they somebody threw it out, and they considered it, and then said, nah. Okay. Yeah, it was where she stabs her and calls her a Heather. Yes. And then she turns around and says, I'm not a Heather. I'm a Veronica. <laughs> I don't remember what she... Actually, yes. I, yeah, I, I wrote it down, but I can't find it. Yes, but um, <laughs> the one alternative ending that was originally in the script, and then the the studio made them change it, because mm-hmm. it was way I too dark, that one. was J.D. is successful in blowing up the school. Mm-hmm. And he has a line near the end of the movie where he says, the people can only genuinely get along with each other in heaven. Yes. And so in the original ending, he blows up the school and there's this weird heavenly dreamlike sequence where all the cliques are together intermingled at a prom. (laughs) And I heard somewhere that Martha Dunstock would have been singing, but I don't, I I only heard that one place. I don't know how reliable it is. Um, And then apparently the, the punch bowl was supposed to be the Drano that Heather Chandler drinks and dies from. Wow, yeah. really kind of dark. Yes, yes. <laughs> I can see why the studio changed it. Yeah, that. but the the one dream sequence that Veronica has where she imagines Heather Duke's funeral was pretty dark, too. So. Yeah, it was. But, yeah, um, I mean, I could see them doing that, but I'm glad they didn't. <laughs> yeah, no, I like the way it ended yes. better. I think it's handled better. I think it would it would have um, taken away from the, the turn of, uh, of um, Veronica. Cause sure, but I, it makes me believe... That that only would have been with the original version of Veronica. Yes, if she would have been mean. Yes, because it sounds like when it was first given to the studio that they it was before when on when on a writer came on the picture. Oh, okay, that makes that makes sense. Yes, but I guess she had looked at the script originally because there are interviews with one on a writer where she talks about it. See, that would have made it more of a nihilistic film. Yes, yeah. for sure. Because no, that it's it's interesting because recently there was a conversation. Um, I was talking with someone in regards to society. We we're just talking about life and society, and I, I kind of laid out my, my my philosophy of life and things like that. And I think this is why I liked the movies because I do understand it. I'm not a you know a rainbows and unicorns person, and so when you come at it from that perspective, and the guy I was talking to is a bit quite a bit younger, uh, still in his in his twenties, and. Um, you know, nothing. I think I find a lot of people in their twenties still have a very idealistic perspective about the world, and I'm old enough to where I'm kind of like no. And so the idea was like, hey, well, if you know the way you think, there's you can't make any change in the world. And I had a turn to them, and I, and it was kind of along the lines of what he put in the movie. And it, you know, and, and I had this conversation actually a few nights before I saw the movie. And so it kind of impacted me a little bit afterwards and, and, and watching the ending. And I already told you, I <clears throat> really love that, you know, that line, there's a new sheriff in town, stuff like that, because it it kind of brought that conversation to mind and gave it a, uh, like, I don't, not an analogy, but Some like resonance. A, yes. And I was like, you know, this is exactly what I was trying to explain to him. 
was that no i mean i love that the thing with she she has that change when she sees the sister she starts kind of moving away from that yet she has the cynic cynicism but now she has a uh hey but there's still something we can use to combat against this even in high school which may never change um and then you get the, the the new sheriff and you get the hey martha let's go rent a movie yes and i think if they would have kept the original ending it wouldn't have the same impact yeah. you know i do have to say one of my favorite things one of the few changes from the in the musical that i i do kind of like mm-hmm. is in the movie she's talking to martha and she says my date blew me up my date ditched me or something like that yeah in the musical she says my date sort of blew me off yeah <laughs> instead of saying he blew up <laughs> <laughs> but um i was gonna say the one thing i really appreciated and i thought was really cool is writer daniel waters mm-hmm. he wrote the slang in a way that did not exist at the time yeah it wasn't 80s slang no, it didn't 90, pull any any slang from the 80s or any teens from the time. He purposely wrote new slang for mm-hmm. the characters in a, in a way that would make it timeless. It was very... <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, I, I will say, whenever they use that word... It's so very. I was like, very what? I, I, yes. At first in the beginning of the movie, I'm like, okay, finish well, your one, sentence. One time they say, how very, very. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, very, yeah. very... Yeah. What's your it? damage? <laughs> <laughs> Which you hear other places now. Yes, yes. I, I, I yeah. actually, I, I, we talked about this before we started recording, but I've heard that before. I did not know where that yeah. was from. Yeah. And then there's that part where veronica's being ironic and she says you're beautiful she says it a few times okay i must have missed that she I mean, says it a few I times. caught it in the musical because yeah. it's but it's yes yeah there's the a song, song. <laughs> but yeah I, I i now that we talk about this the movie i i'm you have to rewatch I it i have to rewatch it yes this is you're gonna like it theme. more the second time around I, you know i read that somewhere too where someone was like um yeah rewatching it you pick up on things that mm-hmm. you missed the first time yeah plus yeah. after talking about it i'll be like oh my gosh the colors yeah oh uh, so i do have a question i want to ask before we move on to talk about how they adapted it into a musical okay and my question is first of all when in the movie mm-hmm. do you think jd was actually planning to kill heather chandler um in the movie, I got the impression because there, there's even a line later where he says, "I didn't mean to kill her." In the movie, yeah, because you kind of get the feeling that he's joking around, but deep in his brain, he wants to kill her. Yeah, but he doesn't really consciously choose to do it, and it no. happens. But he's not sad that it happened. No, he's not. But there's that moment where he knows Veronica took the wrong glass, and he chooses not to tell her. And see, for in the movie, I. I I was a little confused. I, I, I thought that's what it was, but then he says, I didn't mean to, but then he, if he let her take it, then how did he not mean to if he knew she had the wrong glass? Well, you kind of get the feeling that even though he allowed her to take the wrong glass, mm-hmm. it seems, at least in part, that even if she started to drink it, he'd never really assumed that it would go to that point where she would die. Hmm. Like, you kind of get the feeling that he is egging her on and he does want her to drink it, but he doesn't really think that it would kill her. 
Okay. Or at the very least that she would realize what it is. But I don't know if yeah. that's me looking into it. Um, so, like, if you had to guess, like, where do you think he find? And if you don't think he actually meant to kill Heather Chandler, when do you think he chose to see, kill, period? I, well, okay. And see, the, one of the differences is I having kind of a, an understanding of, of, of psychology um, from my former classes... I, I did a little bit of study back in the day on psychopaths. And so the pretty much in, in the movie, and I, he's not maybe, he's not a classic. He has psychopathic tendencies. I mean, it's a movie, so it's not going to be written according to how real life works. But he had a, he had a lot of, of those you know psychopathic tendencies. His dad was a psychopath. Yeah, lack of empathy. Of yes. And... and so with him, it was almost... I think you said it before where I mean, it, you didn't quite say it but it was kind of the idea of let's just see how this plays out yes like it, it seemed like a weird like yeah. experiment it wasn't so much that he wanted to kill her as much as oh it was almost like um, to him it was killing a bug sure yeah it was it was kind of like oh look there's a bug let's just mess with it and see what happens to it if it dies oh well if it doesn't Oh well, we had know. fun. Yeah, and it, it's kind of that idea, you know. So I, I, I don't because yeah, you do get the idea, like when she actually does die, you see on his face, like, wow, she died. Yeah, and 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 I think you see it, 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 it um, his whole way of thinking, of course, is laid out at the end when he's willing to kill everyone. To him, they're all bugs. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're a means to an end. They are. Yeah. That's what it is. He he's sticking he no he's sticking it to though. society. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care because they're all a part of that society. Yes. And yeah. the society is bad and society should be punished. Yeah. So I don't know if he ever wanted... Uh, I, I, feel, I feel like even saying he didn't want to kill her was is, is not 100% true either. I think it was it was never one of those like... Um, um, I don't think he had enough respect or care about her to... So you think he, the first time he consciously chose to kill was when he was planning to kill Ram and Kurt? Yes. Got it. Yes. And I think and that, that, was, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. And I think it, it, that when I think he, he justified his supposed love for Veronica's... I know. think it's a good example, even looking back at me as a teen, of how subconsciously we can know we're going to have consequences for our actions, but we, we choose should. not to think about them. Yeah. And so you just you just put yourself into situations because you want to be in the situation, but you know you shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. And so you allow the situation to pan out, and you just refuse to acknowledge what might happen. Which makes him really kind of no better than everyone else. He, I mean, no better than the Heather's. Really. Well, one of the things I noticed that was interesting <laughs> is in the movie they keep talking about how the the boys are manipulative and how they take advantage of the girls and stuff mm-hmm. and that's exactly what JD does with yeah. Veronica and obviously with everybody else mm-hmm. one thing that I got in the movie is I think to an extent he likes Veronica but I feel like it's more like they never really had a, a relationship it was more like that he was using her but she was also someone that related to him like someone mm. who who thought similarly to him, and she was one of the only ones, and so that's why they were together. Yeah, and I mean, he had a he had a distorted view of love, I guess you could say, to even begin with. So I mean, and she liked him because he was different. Like yeah. he he didn't play the games, and and yeah, to him this was 
all he really knew was his mother. Right. And so and he, and he lost her. Yeah. And so now he's having to kind of rebuild what that means. And he takes the, the feelings he has for her. And his and dad clearly doesn't it. care. Mm-mm. Right. And so obviously when she rejects him, it sends him over the edge. Yeah. Which led to the, uh, I like I, going back to the fake suicide. Yes. I did enjoy I, that. I did like her use of the word myriad. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a throwaway line and I loved it. She said the word she got wrong in the vocabulary. Yes. Next time on Willing to Adapt. That the musical takes away some of the bite of the movie and a lot of the seriousness of the movie. Yeah, it does. I agree. And it makes the story more palatable to a general audience. Mm. In a nutshell... I think that kind of explains what I don't like about the musical. Oh yes, Teenage Suicide, Suicide. Don't Don't Do do It. it. Yes. That was based off of a Queen song. Really? Yes. Our positivity doctrine helped us a lot here. Here is where we really tried to write a Heathers for our current era. I'm not a big fan of positivity. That's a bad way of putting it. I'm not a big fan of positivity. (laughs) I hate positive. I really don't know. I you see the thing about the movie is, <laughs> I don't want to say JD is my favorite character, mm. but he's compelling. Like you don't want to root for him, but you can't help but watch. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get it. There's something about his character that just makes you want to just ask what's going to happen. Mm. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Willing to Adapt. Please like and subscribe. Maybe leave a review or just share us with friends and family. We would also love if you would follow us on social media. If you have ideas for future episodes for us, please email us at ericandromy at willingtoadapt.com. That's Romy with an I. And remember, when the only thing constant in life is change, be willing to adapt. adapt.